0: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Words taken from the Gospel for this tenth Sunday after Pentecost. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The 19th century Carmelite mystic, the little Arab, blessed Miriam of Jesus, crucified. She stated, the devil is like the wind. He gets through the smallest cracks. What are these cracks? What causes them to remain? One word, pride. P-R-I-D-E. In his explanation of the deadly sins, St. John Cashin leaves pride until the last. As it is the greatest and the last of all the deadly sins to be eradicated from our souls, here are his words. It is the most savage beast, fiercer than all those previously mentioned, greatly trying the perfect and ravaging with its cruel bite those who are nearly established in the perfection of virtue. There is no other vice which so reduces to naught every virtue and so despoils and impoverishes a man of all righteousness and holiness as does the evil of pride. Thank you, John Cashin. Now the scholastics teach that all the virtues are connected to charity. In the past, we've described charity as the water In which the supernatural virtues swim. No charity, no water, no swimming, no virtue. Now we might add that all the virtues are also dependent on humility as the rich soil in which they can grow. No soil, no growth. Now on the flip side, this means pride connects all the vices. All the vices are rooted in pride, we say. We also say pride cometh before the fall. Doesn't matter what sin it is, pride precedeth it. St. John Cassian captures this notion. Like a kind of pestilence in its noxious universality, pride is not satisfied with disabling one member or one part of the body. And he's comparing of the pestilence to pride. Instead, it wastes the whole body with this deadly corruption. For every other vice is satisfied with its own limits and its own end, such that it sometimes happens that a person who has given into one of the vices is not completely deprived of the other virtues, but he is only cut off from that virtue which succumbs when it is attacked by its opposite vice. But when this one seizes the unhappy mind and captures the citadel of the virtues set on high, like a most savage tyrant, it lays waste and overturns the whole city from its foundations. In another place, he says, unlike other vices, it does not do away merely with its opposite virtue, that is humility, but is actually the destroyer of all the virtues together, and that it tries not only the middling and the small, but in particular, those who stand at the summit of strength. Thus, St. John Climacus, another desert father, concludes, pride is alien to every virtue. This makes pride particularly dangerous because nothing grows so quickly. Dies so slowly and is so hard to recognize as this ancient bane of our souls. Let's, let's have a definition here of pride. It helps. Pride is defined as an inordinate, a perverted esteem of self or desire for one's own excellence. It is inordinate because it is contrary to reality, to truth. Pride is essentially an act or disposition of the will which is based on an exaggerated or exalted opinion of one's own self, considering ourselves to be our own first beginning and our own last end. Thus we hear in today's gospel, and to some who trusted in themselves as just and despised others. He spoke also this parable. And remember, the Pharisee prayed with himself as if he were God. St. John Clamacus gives us a colorful description of this chief vice. Pride is the denial of God, an invention of the devil, contempt for men. It is the mother of condemnation, the offspring of praise, a sign of barrenness, it is a flight from God's help, a harbinger of madness, the author of downfall. It is the cause of diabolical possession, the source of anger, the gateway of hypocrisy. It is the fortress of demons, the custodian of sins, the source of hard-heartedness. It is the denial of compassion, a bitter Pharisee, is it? A cruel judge. It is the foe of God. It is the root of blasphemy. John Clamachus on pride. Now, pride, the theologians tell us, may be expressed in four different ways. First, by taking credit for talents as if they had not been received from God or by glorying in good deeds as if they were not primarily the result of divine grace. Taking credit Where there is none. Second, by regarding as due to one's own ability, something which in reality is a gift of God. I brought this about. My right hand saved the day. Not God. Number three, minimizing defects and attributing oneself qualities not actually possessed or by exaggerating those that are possessed. Minimizing defects and exaggerating what we possess. Number four, by holding oneself above others or disdaining others, in whom one sees nothing except faults and those even greatly magnified. The moral theologians tell us if pride is carried to a point where one loathes to acknowledge that everything is a gift from God, or fails to submit to God or His representatives, it is a grave sin. This was the sin of Lucifer. This was the sin of Adam and Eve. They tell us, and they're right. It is also the sin. It is also the sin of those who refuse obedience to the authority of the church or refuse, this is their words, it's a quote, or refuse to accept the traditional interpretation of her dogmas, mortal sin. We got a lot of that today. They refuse to accept anyone who refuses to accept, knowingly and willingly, the traditional interpretation of the church's dogmas, mortal sin. So say the moral theologians. If not carried to this extent, pride of itself is a venial sin. Pride is a mortal sin if one is disposed to commit a grave sin to extol oneself. And if pride leads to judgments, actions, or words that are grievously sinful, again, mortal sin. What is more, at the root of all sin, because it is pride, it gives birth to various daughters, presumption, The top of the list, ambition, vain glory, boasting, ostentation, hypocrisy, strife, and disobedience. These are terrible daughters. You do not want them. Now, the doctors, the saints, and the theologians give us many remedies for this vice. And here are some to consider. There's many remedies. I can't go through them all, but I'll give you seven. Seven remedies. St. John Climacus says... Do not be self-confident before judgment has been passed on you. Remember the guest at the marriage feast? He got there and then they tied his hands and his feet and threw him into the outer darkness. He was too confident that he was okay in the marriage feast without the baptismal garment. Again, recall the main reason for the gospel parable today, for those who trusted in themselves as just and despised others. John Climacus, do not be confident. Do not be self-confident before the judgment has been passed on you. Number two, St. John Vianney would study the lives of the saints to keep himself humble, saying over and over, we have yet to suffer as the saints meaning we have hardly begun to match their great deeds. Once again, this is why tradition that is knowing and loving our heritage, our inheritance, will keep us sane, keep us humble. This beautiful ancient mass is one of the main reasons I love it so much. We conform to it. We do not make it conform to us. We have to humble ourselves in coming to this Mass. All the complaints about this Mass rotate around pride, almost inevitably. Someone doesn't want to humble themselves, and they complain about it. St. John Vianney also comes to mind, now that we've mentioned his name. He had an associate pastor with him, very difficult. Father Raymond was his name took John Vianney's room. He usurped his power. He abused things going on in the parish. Well, John Vianney was in the confessional all day. When he left, the saint cried. He was sad. Everybody in the parish was exalted. Yay! But John Vianney cried. He goes, there goes my humility. Now what am I going to do? Sometimes God gives us great chances for humility and we reject them. Let's accept them. We have yet to suffer as the saints. Number three, St. John Climacus says, remember your sins. Remembrance of sins helps greatly because pride makes us forget our sins. For the remembrance of them leads to humility. We're not talking about a perverted remembrance or like, oh, I'm a sinner. Who am I to stand over this person? He continues, it happens, I do not know how, that most of the proud never really discover their true selves. Most of the proud do not really discover their true selves. They think that they have conquered their passions, and they find out how poor they really are only after they die. The humble man, on the other hand, builds a mirror into his soul. He writes down all his complaints, his criticisms of others, things that bother him, things that make him angry or bitter, and then he searches to find their presence in his own soul. He sees the speck in the eye of the other to find the log in his own. That's what the humble man does. St. Teresa of Jesus says, never leave the path of self-knowledge. This is one of the pathways. So remembrance of sins that we and ourselves are sinners keeps us humble. Number four, the devil had the right end in mind. This is so important for trads, traditional minded Catholics, normal Catholics, we should even say. The devil had the right end in mind. These devils, they really wanted to get to heaven. That's a fact. They chose the wrong means of getting there. Had the right end, had the wrong means. They chose themselves as the means instead of Jesus and Mary. To overcome pride, we must not only have the right end in mind, such as defending the truth, defending the right to the church, in this time of the diabolical deception, diabolical disorientation. But we must also embrace the proper means. And that can be hard. That's the rub, isn't it? Love of neighbor. And the saints put at the top of the list humility and obedience. These are the means These have always been considered the shortcuts to holiness. Thus, St. John Climacus says, the strongest opposition to pride comes from the contrition of heart that grows out of obedience. Whereas he has the demons of pride cry out, we can endure no authority over us, which is why we fell from heaven where we surely had authority. We are the author's and the progenitors of everything opposed to humility. For everything that favors humility brings us low. In fact, if you study the lies of the saints, many devils were cast out just from the humility of the saint alone. They needed no exorcism. Their humility did it. They hate humility. If they hate it, we ought to love it. St. John Climacus goes on. We prevail everywhere except in heaven. So then, where will you run to escape us, says the demons? You will find us most often tempting where there is patient endurance of dishonor, where there is obedience and freedom from anger, where there is willingness to bear no grudge, where one's neighbor is served. Do you understand what he's saying? They're not in heaven, and they're trying to prevent you from getting there. How are we going to get there? Patient endurance of dishonor, obedience, freedom from anger, willingness to bear no grudge, to serve one's neighbor. Number five, to overcome pride, we must pray. We must pray to God seeking total dependence upon him as we heard in the gospel today. The publican prayed and was delivered. The Pharisee prayed with himself, direct quote, and remained filled with pride. We must pray to God and be totally dependent upon him. Number six, we are given the supreme model of humility in his majesty, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus, St. John Cassian says, God, the creator and physician of the universe, knowing that pride is the cause and source of our maladies, saw to it that the contraries would be healed by contraries, so that what had collapsed through pride would rise again through humility. For the one says, I go up to heaven, but the other says, my soul has been humbled to the ground. The one says, I will be like the Most High. The other, although he was in the form of God, emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, and humbled himself and became obedient unto death. The one says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. The other says, learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. The one says, I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. He's speaking of Pharaoh. The other says, if I said that I did not know him, I would be a liar like yourselves. But I do know him, and I keep his commandments. The one says, mine are the rivers, and I made them. The other says, I am not able to do anything of myself, but my Father, who abides in me himself, does the works. The one says, mine are all the kingdoms of the earth and all their glory, and I will give them to whom I will. The other says, although he was rich, he became poor so that we would be made rich through his poverty. Imitation of Christ, our supreme model. And finally, I'm fond of saying pride is always surprised. Keep that little saying in mind and you'll recover from pride. Pride is always surprised, as it is a sign we are not yet humble when we are surprised by our sins and even those of others. When pride is operative, the surprised soul looks to blame others for their faults and their failures. It makes excuses that it was ignored and not heeded. They think to themselves or even out loud, if only so-and-so had fill in the blank, then I would not have done what I did. Pride is always surprised. In truth, however, it is the opposite. We ought to be surprised that things are not worse in us and around us. For we are capable of much more mischief Much more mischief. Original sin is an abyss we should never plumb. Please, don't be shocked at the sins of others or the world. I can't believe it. Well, believe it. It can get worse, and you could do it too. A good confessor, whenever he hears a sin in the confessional, he should never say, oh, I can't believe it. He should say, I could do that given the right circumstances, the right upbringing, I would do the same. Thus, he's able to be compassionate and helpful. We should imitate that. Original sin is an abyss we never want to plumb. Instead of being surprised, we ought to say, look how little I am. Look at what I'm capable of doing. Saint John of the Cross when humble souls see themselves fall into imperfections they suffer with this humility they suffer with this hu- with humility with docility of spirit and with loving fear of God and hope in him they're not surprised at their fall such souls say out loud god is still working on me i am just a beginner in the spiritual life i'm a novice i'm working out my salvation The church is a hospital for sinners and a school for saints. And such souls always say, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, whenever they do anything good, but to thy name give glory. And then in seeing the faults of others and the failures and others, as I just mentioned, they say, There, but for the grace of God, go I. Given the right circumstances, given the right upbringing, I would do the same. Maybe I would be worse. Most likely you would. In the end, it comes down to pride and to humility. Pride as the mother of condemnation or humility as the soil of salvation. Everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself